Hey everybody, this is Scooter and Pride present our uh, holiday season series, untitled as of right now. And I'm going to pass things over, believe it or not, this show came to me packaged and done. Uh, and I'm going to pass things over to the person who's done all the hard work. And I mean, it's not a studio thing, so this is the first time I've handed things off to a... Uh, to a correspondent, not a paid correspondent, a, a, a pursuer of truth and justice, or maybe just truth. I don't know. This is the first. I'm cracking, cracking. You know, I'm, I'm listening to these tapes as they come in. Uh, so I'm gonna pass it over, and maybe there'll be some music or something. I don't know. Uh, but here it is, our untitled for now holiday series episode one. Uh, good evening, everyone. My name is Claude Neon, and I'm here to tell you a story that I've uncovered. And I'm happy to have this platform to do it, and I appreciate your time. And I appreciate this forum to, to tell what I've slowly uncovered over the past uh, few years. Now, I'm not a professional journalist. I, I dreamed one day of making a big a big scoop or a big splash. and But, but the, the, those dreams are past, but that's a distraction from from the story at hand. So my name's Claude Neon, and I'm here to share a story that all of us are probably pretty familiar with. Because this story started for me just last year with the ascension of Roberta Claus and then the corresponding after all the events of the spring and the summer. The eventual, I wouldn't say it was a disappearance of Roberta Claus, but a withdrawal from the public eye of Roberta Claus. And I know there's a lot of stories out there about Roberta Claus and the legend of Santa Claus and and, and this is my version of looking into the story. And we all have to agree, because for me, it wasn't about all the noise. It wasn't about all the things. It was a, it was a curiosity, where did Roberta Claus go, and what was she doing? And that was the only questions I had and the answers I wanted at the time. There was one more question I had sitting in the back of my mind, which was, you know, if if I could find Roberta Claus, what was she doing, and what was happening with Christmas? There was all these corresponding viewpoints around Christmas, and but mostly I just wanted to know where she was and what she was doing, because I kept asking myself, why did Roberta Claus leave, and where did she go? And as I started to search, the details of my search and how I tracked her down aren't important. It's about me and the Internet in my gut, but I eventually found Roberta Claus. But maybe I should stop and talk about what led us up to this point. For anyone that's out there, that might have only one viewpoint of what has happened in the past year. 
Or if someone's listening to this down the road, well, I want to catch us up on the events of the past 12 months. Or maybe even if we jump back now over the past 5 to 10 years, or over my entire lifetime, people have been asking themselves the question, is Santa Claus real? And of course, this is all a process every child goes through, every parent goes through with their children. But in the past five to ten years, things have become a little more foggy and less clear, or maybe more clear, and people blame the Internet. And always on technology and cameras. But over the past five years, more and more... Things have led people to believe, to believe that Santa Claus was real. He's been caught on tape, and more and more eyewitness accounts. There's been more and more video accounts, and some would say undeniable proof of his sleigh in the air, of flying reindeer, of elves, of impossible physical feats, of gifts being brought to remote places to children who had nothing of Christmas miracles. And of course, for every report that's cropped up, there's been people counteracting those reports, saying they're leaked movies, Hollywood magic, forgeries, lies. But for those of us who who, who have an inquiry into this Santa Claus, who wonder, is he real? Is this real? The frequency of the reports has increased and, and, and the fact that it's been happening has become undeniable. So we're left with a few conclusions to be drawn. Uh, any of these are popular. Santa Claus is real and he's being caught on tape more and more uh, because of technology. Santa Claus is not real, but reports are, are being faked of him more and more because of technology. But there's been other reports over the past few years, maybe the past decade, that Santa Claus had returned from somewhere, that Santa Claus was real. And and some of you may have watched that famous, now uh, very hard to track down, supposed Christmas special, possible documentary. Now they say it's like faking the moon landing about the 1950s attacks on the North Pole by the United States government. And some would say that at that time, Santa Claus withdrew and continued on serving Christmas, but in some sort of remote or stealth level of capability, or that he withdrew from the world entirely. And and some would theorize that all these current sightings, the increased level of his sightings, is due to increased activity from Santa Claus himself. Now those events led us to this past Christmas where Santa Claus's presence was nearly ubiquitous and undeniable. There was uh, countless reports, interviews. Oh, he didn't do any in-person interviews. But on the spot interview, Santa's showing up at events, and people were baffled, and people were divided. 
but it was also undeniable that a lot of people were starting to believe in him. And children around the world were, were, were filled with this new fangled joy, which I can see uh, put a lot of parents in an awkward place. And some would say that this past Christmas was a pinnacle event for many people meeting Santa Claus, getting gifts that had no explainable giver. All of us have friends that have told us that Elmau not everyone was visited by Mr. Claus or Mr. Kringle, but many people were affected by this wonderful thing, and, and, and a lot of people asked why. And then the rumors started that it was a farewell tour. And even Santa Claus, when pressed, would, would say he would avoid the question or laugh like a bowl full of jelly, whatever they say about these things. But we can't lead into the pinnacle of joy without the events of a few months later. When word came out of the North Pole in just February that Santa Claus had passed on. And this had been something in, in all of the lore and mainstream uh, fiction or semi-fiction, however you want to describe it, about Santa Claus. The passing of Santa Claus is not something the, the public found uh, understandable, maybe not even palatable, but but almost incomprehensible. And it seemed the North Pole was prepared for these things because they let us know about the. Uh, well, all of you are familiar with the about the intergenerational passing and the, all of the backstory about Santa Claus and how. Yes, he lived longer than humans, but he was a human. And how, like some stories, he did choose, sometimes his progeny and sometimes someone else to take over for him as he would age out. But all this was happening secretly in the North Pole. And this is over, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds of years or some such thing. But this last Santa, he was there for this 1950s battle where the United States government tried to take over his North Pole. And then we had the world mourn for the passing of Santa Claus. And it seemed to be something cathartic and something orchestrated in a way to empower that catharsis and empower some grieving. And many said this was Santa Claus's choice. I mean, we, we all heard Mrs. Claus speak and Roberta Claus speak and some of the, the, the members of the Elven Guilds speak in the powerful words as they toured the world and in turn to Santa so people could say goodbye to him. And the world, I don't know if it's, I suffered, I know, with the passing of Santa. But it also opened up this, I don't know if wonderful is the right word, but this dialogue between adults and adults and children and children about loss, about grief, 
about the stages of grief and about our feelings, I know many people who would never speak to each other about such deep things were able to connect and what they were going through with the loss of Santa, and it became a, a winter not of discontent, just a winter of mourning Santa Claus, you know. And this report isn't about this. This is a report just to catch you up. I know all of us had our own experiences and our own way of dealing with the outpouring of service to others. Well, it was short-lived. There was some sort of residual effect in the, the sending of things to the North Pole and the way the children... I, I don't know, I wonder if I was an anthropologist and not who I am. What will be the effects down the road? Will these children be more emotionally able to grapple with these things? But there was also some pushback that this was all a fiction, that there was conspiracies behind this, that this was a pseudo-religion. But we all remember that. And, but it seemed that this event brought out uh, almost a new face. It had been a while since the world had lost a leader so universally beloved or majority beloved. We also know that uh, moving forward from, from the loss of Santa, that he had shared by video message as he, at the, the peak of his illness, that he was passing on the, the physical and the proverbial reins to a new Santa. And after the passing of Santa, these videos were sent out to the world. And Roberta Gloss was eventually revealed to the world. But, but maybe now's not the right time to talk about uh, the passing of the reins of Roberta Claus. Because eventually I did track down Roberta Claus on my search to find her. I found where she was. I found where she was staying. And, and the details aren't important. It could be a, a, a Caribbean island. Or it could be an apartment in a, in a huge city. But I found her, and I found her, and she was alone. And at first she, she tried to deny who she was and deny me access, but I told her I was not leaving. And she said, what do you want? And I said, Robert, I want to speak with you. I, I want answers. And I, I want my curiosity Quelched, or however you would refer to it. And I think you would understand that. And she smiled. And I had seen her many times on TV and rewatched her reports over and over as I thought about this story and wondered. But seeing her eyes up close, there was something so gentle and loving about those eyes. As I stood there on her door, trying to black, even black my entrance into her place. There was something so kind and gentle. And it, it gave me, a, it made me feel like a child. 
with the warm sun on his face. But I still wanted my answers, of course. But also it was clear to me that she seemed to have a, a, I don't know if a bottomless heart is a good thing, but in this case, it was clear to me, being close to her at those moments, I, I said, this is Santa Claus or Roberta Claus in a more general sense, and actually Roberta Claus. So she 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 wouldn't grant me an on-mic interview, but we sat down, and she said, well, what is it exactly you want to know? And I said, uh, uh, well, I think I already have my answers as I looked around. And my worst fears in some sense were confirmed because there was no secret supercomputer to the North Pole. There didn't seem to be any hidden, you know, secret doorways or there was no bookcase that could be swung into a North Pole command center. And while her eyes were full of some sort of uh, limitless love and support, there was also something else there crowding around her eyes and around her cheeks a sadness. Uh, something more, I didn't know if it was fear or pain or both things, but it was there around her face. And she said, oh, sit down, what is it? What, what did you want to see? She could tell I was looking at her, and I said, I wanted to see if you were still fighting for Christmas, Roberta if you were still pushing for Christmas, if you still had the Christmas spirit. And she said to me, those are many different things. There's a big difference between fighting for Christmas and loving Christmas and having the Christmas spirit. And she said, I want to help answer your questions. And I also want to know why you're here. And I felt uh, transparent for a second because I had been, you know, covering up some of my motivations with her. And she said, tell me what happened and tell me why you're really here. Now, before I tell you that, some of you might be like, I don't know who Roberta Claus is. This is uh, 2026, and now we are all robots, and we have no, you know, we're, we're robots listening. So all of you, or maybe you're androids, or some sort of human-plant hybrid. Roberta Claus had taken over for Santa Claus after Santa Claus's passing. In the late winter, early spring of last year. And she toured the world on a, a tour of goodwill, bringing presents. And cities would be surprised, or areas would be surprised, with a magical Christmas night in the middle of March or April or May, or even June. And Roberta toured the world, giving away gifts and, and uh, spending time smiling. If for a brief time, the world embraced her. They, but deep down, people said, well, I don't understand. And I think people wanted Santa's reassurance or some sort of reassurance or something. 
And I think that we all know what happened after that. There became this great backlash against Roberta Claus. And it became... I've never seen the tide turn in such a way against a public figure who had just recently risen to prominence. But as we all know, Roberta Claus began to fracture people's opinions on Christmas and Santa Claus very quickly. Groups started to form or, 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 or groups started to just take up issue with Roberta Claus, whether it was that she and, and Santa Claus in Christmas was against their belief system or an alternative or disrespectful or that she had some secret agenda or that she wasn't acceptable for some sort of reason beyond, but they would find a reason. And the, and the people that, they said, well, I don't have, you know, I don't have to like Roberta Claus. And also people took up, uh, took up issue with the consumerism of Christmas and Roberta came a, a symbol of the wastefulness. And even the North Pole became a place of, 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 of a hoarding of energy, of resources. And all of a sudden, wherever Roberta Claus went, or even where she wasn't, it was a constant stream of chatter about Roberta Claus. And, and to say she was, it was unfair would be an understatement. But to say it, it happened in so many different pockets, it wasn't one unified movement against her. But all these different groups, uh, and, and it just seemed to gather steam into the summer. And as the late fall came, people started talking about, you know, boycotting Christmas or boycotting gift-giving or only doing gift-giving within this traditional framework that Christmas and Santa Claus were out, that reindeer were out, and people started warning the major retailers of the world that, you know, not to, you know, stack anything having to do with Christmas and definitely not anything to do with Roberta Claus. And there was an element of hate and meanness to all this. But in also an element of group mob mentality, even though it was fractured. And I've sat many times and wondered about it. Was it that we hadn't healed from the grieving process? Was it this element of... Were even the adults caught up in some sort of childlike analysis of the situation... Was it some sort of universal self-hatred that was being projected onto Roberta Claus? Would it trigger this? Or was it we were just unable to handle change and loss? Or was it the economic conditions of the past 20, 30, 50 thousands of years that was being... But suddenly, Roberta Glossby did become a lightning for all the lightning rod for all those things. And as these things go, things quickly started to escalate. 
And that's when Roberta Claus stepped in. As people have tried to find the North Pole, you know, some of the people in the United States uh, Congress started to lobby for invasion of the North Pole, and some of them seemed serious about it. Uh, people started to wonder if they were stealing energy or there was some energy source. Was it a threat to the United States and the national security of the world? You know, did Roberto Claus possess things that could get into the ha- All sorts of noise. Noise, 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 noise. And under the noise was the fear in something, dare I say, uglier. But I think that no one, almost like a stain in the mirror you don't want to look at. So you just look beyond and see Roberta Claus. But as uh, as things turned uglier and uglier, Roberta Claus uh, relented. And Roberta Claus was very public about trying to get her message out that, she, yes, she, she would... Uh, step down, but, but uh, that people's understanding of uh, Santa Claus and Roberta Claus and her ability to explain it all was limited in that by her stepping out of the spotlight, of stepping down that Christmas was to be stepped down. And then we had the world vote for, you know, Christmas, which, yes, it was symbolic, but it it did have, a, 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 you know, billions of votes, and most of them were for Roberta Claus and Christmas uh, to not go on, and even the children of the world, whether it was at the behest of their parents or their schools. It seemed that we now suddenly lived in a world that didn't want Christmas, and they became hostile. And Roberta Claus said she wanted to respect what people wanted. And and if she was going to be the object, that she would withdraw herself so that people could enjoy the holidays with their families. And that she wanted everyone to be safe and, and that she understood. And there was many more. I, I, I just, I guess I can't go on forever about this. Uh, because I, I want to get to what I talked to Roberta Claus about here, up next here. So the next recordings I made were on location right after I had talked to Roberta Claus. Okay, so I just spoke with Roberta Claus, and as I told you, she she seemed most interested. And she kept saying to me, what is it you want? I said, Roberta, let me tell you that uh, what's driving me here is my I thought you were behind something. And in some sense, I'm just disappointed to learn because I actually, I guess part of me came out of curiosity. And part of me came because something that happened when I was a young boy. And I don't, I'm not comfortable talking about this either on the show or even to Roberta Claus, but she seemed to know, and to tell you people, but at some point, 
And I, I know some of you may be listening to this, and, and you might not believe any of this. It might be in the camp that all of this Santa Claus and Roberta Claus stuff isn't real. But I am a believer. Because one Christmas Eve when I was a boy, Santa Claus saved me. He saved my life. And while I'm not comfortable filling in the details, and yes, I've lived my life wondering, was it just a man in a Santa suit? Was it all, but the events were real. And I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the actions taken by Santa Claus that night. And as I grew older, I began to accept the fact that that was Santa Claus, and I did become obsessed with these reappearances and seeing him one more time. And when he passed, I was devastated that I never got to see him again. But that Christmas Eve when he saved me, and I, I was speechless, he said to me, he held me. And his, I remember how warm his hands were even through his gloves as he held me to him. And he said, one day you might have the chance to save me or save Christmas. And I know you'll be up to it. You're a brave young man. And that's all I'm comfortable saying about the events of that night. And it's not because of what happened was was horrible or dark, but I, I do believe I have some decorum. And it wasn't anything terrifying or scary, but... He, he saved me, and I said, I will, Santa. If you need me to save Christmas, I will. So that was part of the reason I told Roberta Claus that I had come. Because, and then I sat down and I said to Roberta Claus, you know, I said, I thought you were behind the secret Santa stuff. That you were behind the scenes, because as some of you, you may, may or may not know, but... It, as the backlash against Roberta Claus grew and it looked more and more, and as the build-up to the vote on Christmas came, the children started talking about another Santa Claus, about this secret Santa. And some people may have heard the rumors or seen the graffiti or little notes. And some of the notes were left by secret Santa. There were reports that the notes weren't in the parents saying this isn't in my children's writing. And again, this was used as ammo against Roberta Claus, but it, it stayed underground, and it, most people said it was just a way of children's coping with the loss of Santa and the confusion around Roberta Claus. And, and again, it was heaped down. Roberta said, well, this is their way of coping with, with her not being up to being Santa or some such thing. But I held on to this as a sign that you were still fighting, Roberta, and that you were out there somewhere, and that you were Secret Santa. And as I told Roberta Cross, as her face lost all color, and at first I thought it was because of the, I just said, I'm not taking a harsh tone, but I said, my disappointment can't be that impactful for Roberta. But I said, what is it, Roberta? What, 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 why are you so upset? And she said, you said, she said, Secret Santa is real. 
And I told her about some of the, you know, the police children have because Secret Santa was was more into the naughty or the nice of getting the children who had misbehaved. And it, it seemed to be steeped in this uh, folk war with the, all, all the other characters like Krampus and Ruprecht and Bell Snickles and all sorts of things from European folklore. But, but again, and as I started tracking, I realized it was worldwide, and that's why I thought Roberta Claus was behind it. But it had been like a game of telephone with the children instilling their own belief systems, but I had trusted she was the one. So as I saw her pale face, I, I, I may have become pale-faced myself. And Roberta Claus said, well, I'm going to need your help. And I said, well, you know, what do you mean, Roberta? She said, I didn't withdraw from Christmas to run away or to fix my bruised ego or just to regroup. She goes, I pulled out to observe what was going to happen to give people some space and to figure out how to fix things. She goes, because maybe it was too close to the passing of Santa Claus. But she's like, I'm not withdrawn here. And she goes, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure things, I was trying to figure things out and give people a holiday season of their own. What I didn't realize was that my retreat had created a void so quickly. But she said to me, I'm going to need your help because I didn't come here to run away or withdraw. I came here to observe, to give the world some space without me, without Santa, without Christmas, to see what would happen and then to see how I could fix things. I was going to give them their year without Christmas. Not as a punishment, not as a test. Uh, but I was willing to accept it, I guess, and, and say, okay, what can we adjust? What do you, I, my job is to serve uh, Christmas and the people. It's too complicated to explain, she said. But she said, I'm going to need your help because now I realize my error. For my absence has created a void, and I didn't realize how rapidly that void would be filled. And I said, I, I said, I didn't understand. And she said, you, you don't need to. She, you see, she said, Santa warned me, not about a secret Santa, about a force that could be the opposite of Santa, or the opposite of Christmas. Here's the thing, I don't, I don't know if you watched Star Trek, Roberta Claus said to me, now I, Claude Neon, I believe it or not, I've not seen very much Star Trek. But she said, that's too bad, because uh, Spock had this wonderful speech about matter and antimatter that we could have done together. But it, it's, it's Spock's speech, so I'll have to make my own. But she explained to me that Santa and, and Christmas, even when Santa... You know, had to somewhat be away from the world. She said, see, this isn't unprecedented. Since the 1950s, Santa's only partially been involved. You know, people haven't really believed in him. 
and even though it was towards the end of his days, this particular Santa Claus, he decided it was time to return to the world slowly. But he was still actively involved, and people still wanted to believe and participate, but something's different now. You know, people have withdrawn her. Or maybe she goes, I don't understand it yet. But Santa was so powerful, so beloved, so good of heart. And the belief was so, well, it wasn't universal and it wasn't true belief. It was so powerful and had so much momentum that it crowded everything out, out any anti-matter, any anti-Santa. Santa created a, a voidless space. He filled it all up. So there was nowhere for this darkness to exist. Now, sure, there is human foibles and human pain and suffering, but that is a different thing entirely than the oppositional force to Santa. There was no room for that force to grow or even... Well, I guess I maybe fell into it. Santa had warned me that it could exist out there and to always be stoking the Christmas fires. But it seems I, I, I judged wrongly. Maybe I should, I don't, I don't know, or maybe this was inevitable. And this is what's going to drive us forward, uh, Claude. Roberta was so neutrally confident is the only way I could describe it. You know, somewhere in this void, my withdrawal and the withdrawal of the people or the pushback, a pestilence seems to start to grow. I suspect the secret Santa is not child's play. And I suspect that that's why you were brought here. This is your chance to save Christmas, Claude. To help Santa, to help Roberta Claus. I need you to believe in me. I need you to believe in Christmas. And while I don't need you to believe totally that this secret, we need to get to the bottom of this. And we need to restart the fires of Christmas joy. I thought for a season we could let them die down to an ember and everything would be okay. And my judgment seems to have been wrong. And I wanted to ask your brother, do we have time? Can we go for, you know, I had so many questions. But she just said, will you help me? And I said, yes. And she said, we have to get to work. And I said, well, Roberta, what can we possibly do? How could we fight an unknown force that might even be in opposition to us? Well, what are we? And she said, we'll do it with Christmas joy, Claude. It's going to be fine. Let's get to work. And with that, I, I cast my... Well, actually, she took my hand and patted it in a way. And then, believe it or not, the way I'd found her was through Spacko the Elf, and Spacko was with me. I mean, outside down the street. And I told her about Spacko. But we'll have to see what happens. The next thing we planned on doing was was figuring out how to get to what was it, you know, figuring out the secret Santa stuff.
so I'll file my next report soon. I'm thanking you for listening. And I'm hoping by putting out this report that it starts to stoke the Christmas fire in you, in the present, or in the future. And know that the fire can burn in you the Christmas joy, the Christmas love. In the belief in Roberta Claus, for she is real, as real as Santa Claus once was. And I hope you'll join us on our journey to save Christmas. This is Claude Neon reporting. Thank you and good night. Uh, good evening, everyone. This is Claude Neon reporting. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you, Scooter. And those of you who were, were with us last week but were not awake or those of you who were not with us, last week I was able to publish a report where I tracked down Roberta Kloss, who most of us know over the past year had a, a abrupt rise into the public eye and then an abrupt fall out of the public eye as Santa Claus became real, he became a public figure, a real public figure in our world. And then not long after that, Santa Claus passed on and the world mourned. And those were, were bright days we had together in mourning. But after Santa Claus's passing, the world was informed that Roberta Claus... Roberta Claus had taken over for Santa Claus as she was the new Santa Claus. And then the world quickly turned against her. You could see it in my prior report, but uh, rejected Roberta Claus's authority. And then she quickly, as the intensity of the outrage and the pushback, she dropped from the scene and I, I followed my curiosity. I said, where is this Roberta Claus and why is she in hiding? And just recently I had tracked her down and I had spoken with her uh, to find out why. And apparently I was incorrect. My theory had been that she was still planning Christmas and that she was up to something. Interviews with children and research I had done on my own. It's this childlike mythology. It started with this secret Santa, and I thought Roberta Claus was behind it. And, you know, even though I'm a reporter, I am a human being, and I am a Christmas Santa Claus fan. So I was hoping to discover that Roberta Claus was just steps away from, you know, getting the, you know, oiling the sleigh and all those things. But I was shocked to learn, or maybe I was not shocked to learn, I was disappointed to learn that Roberta Claus was truly in hiding. She was alone. And that while she hadn't given up on Christmas, she had decided to take Christmas off and to take this year off of Christmas. And, 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 and we, some of us know that Roberta Claus, before there's not clear reports, but I'm pretty sure uh, from Scooter, the young man that does this program normally, he he claims that she was once a human being and a scientist. And so I said, well, she's, she's going to observe Christmas. But as I told Roberta Claus about my theories about Christmas, about Secret Santa, she became very nervous and upset 
and she did not like this idea of a, Santa, a secret Santa that was going through these children. But they said there is another Santa out there, a secret Santa. And Roberta Claus uh, suspected that the secret Santa may not have intentions that were best for the children of the world. And and I filed that report with Scooter, but then after I sent the files out, I sat down to review my notes and to prepare. Roberta Claus was trying to figure out what her next move would be and how we would deal with Secret Santa. And we were in a small apartment in an undisclosed location, a fairly populated area, and there was a knock at the door. Now, I wasn't shocked or frightened by the snack, and neither was Roberta Claus. For our, many of you may wonder, well, geez, how, how did you, you're some gumshoe, you're some reporter called Neon. You tracked down Santa Claus, and no one's done that in thousands and thousands of years. And people have been searching the globe for this Roberta Claus. How did you, well, I did have an inside man. An inside elf, in this case, uh, named Spackle the Elf. Now, Spackle is not a Christmas elf, you might say. Is he a North Pole elf? Does he work for Roberta Claus? Did he turn? All the questions about Spackle will be answered. But Spackle is a forest elf, and he knows uh, the man who produces his podcast, Scooter. But Spackle was an essential part of me. And I trailed or tracked down Roberta Claus. But as I said before, I described Spackle there. There was a knock at the door. Now, as I went to the door, I was expecting Spackle the elf to be standing on the other side of that door. When I opened the door, he was not standing there. Standing on the other side of the door was a young child, and I won't give out any of the details of the child other than to say the child stood there. And for a second, I stood there because I said it took me a while to absorb the fact and to say I enjoyed my time with Spackle thus far would be an understatement. So I expected to see my good friend Spackle the Elf standing at the door there to ease my transition with Roberta Claus and help us not save Christmas, but, you know, figure stuff out, I guess. But there was a child there, and there was something about the look on the child's face. It wasn't fear, but it was, it it triggered something in me. And I said to the child, I said, yes, child. And the child said, is Roberta Claus here? And Roberta Claus, I could hear her gasp. And I said, I said, Roberta Claus. The child looked past me and saw Roberta Claus and said, Roberta, they're coming for you. You need to go now. And Roberta Claus said, let's go. And without anything other than grabbing a coat, in a small bag, she packed. She said, "Are you ready? Let's go." And, and I said, "I said, I said in my brain." I did not say this aloud. I said, "Well, she she must have been on the run for a while and used to this 
but I also sensed a hurry, and she, she, she walked past me and walked out the door, and she said, thank you. And she patted the child's head, and she walked past, and I rushed to catch up with her. And she said, do you have a car? I said, yes, it's not far. And she said, did you say you're traveling with an elf? And I said, yes, Spackle the Elf. And she said, Spackle, the... she goes, I know who that is. And I said, we won't talk about you in Spackle's history, Roberta Claus. But I said, we walked to my rental car and we got in. And Roberta Claus said, where's Spackle? I said, back at the room we're renting. And she said, oh, do you use me? And I said, yes, we do. Yes, I did. And then she said, we'll, we'll, we'll get him soon. And then she said, take a right. And I said, Roberta, where are we going? She said, we need to rent a U-Haul. And she said, it was such a, I, I thought, I said, just drive, just drive, Claude. And we went to a, a, a U-Haul place. It was not actually, it was another place that rents those type of trucks. And she said, go in there and rent a truck and, and make it quick. And I went in and I, I tried to make, I could not make it quick. It was, it, there was a lot of paperwork and questions. And I had to, I said, well, I'm moving. And I said, am I lying? If lying for Roberta Claus, I thought it was strange. But she she did not tell me to lie. But I said, well, I'm on the naughty list now. It actually gave me a bright spot. But then I just, and I, it was very difficult to back up the uh, U-Haul. But I got it. And then we then it was really boring. We returned my rental car to the rental car agency, and then we were both in the U-Haul. And I said, where to next, Roberta? And she said, we need my sleigh. And we drove, and I said, what about the reindeer? And she said, they've already been, she goes, they've been taken to the Dusseldorf Zoo. She goes, they were taken months ago. She goes, they're perfectly happy. It's a, you know, wild, roaming, beautiful zoo in Dusseldorf. I've never been there, she said, but I've been led to believe that the reindeer are very happy. But we need to get my sleigh. And as we pulled down the street, you know, many, many turns and things, cobblestone street, it was a dark street. It was filled with those old wooden garages and felt like a, it was close to the water as the air came in through the window, like an old uh, but refurbished dock area. And she said, it, it, it's, it's up here on the right, but then we heard the noises of a crowd the crowd, uh, and it sounded like a mob, not an angry mob, but muttering of, of thousands and thousands of people. And it turns out it was only hundreds and hundreds of people. But Roberta peeked around the corner, and I peeked over her shoulder. And not two blocks from where these warehouses were, these garages were, was a small square filled with people, with, 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 with some sort of burnings. I said, oh, man, this is a mob. This is the mob the child was talking about. But we loaded the Roberta's sleigh into the U-Haul, and she seemed to be an expert at the logistics of pushing the sleigh 
And she said, don't worry, this, you know, is highly slidable. You know, very, very, so we've, it was the easiest thing I've ever moved. I can't imagine it getting it through a door of an apartment building or up a flight of stairs or two. But we got it in the U-Haul. And then more chattering came from the mob. And Roberta slid the U-Haul door closed. And it made this sound and then the slam and the click of the latch. And she said, let's go. And, and as we, and, and I said, in the U-Haul, she said, no. And we watched, we watched the group. And, and again, I, as I watched closer and took a few minutes at a, something about the closing of the U-Haul, something about that sounded calm me down a bit. And it was just, it didn't seem like an angry mob. It was people with candles. And I noticed they had started filing into a church. And I said, oh, okay. And as the people filed in the church, Roberta put her collar up. She put her hood up and, and she said, let's go. And we followed these people into a packed church. And I'm Claude Dion. I was raised not far from the town in the city in the country where we may may not be at this time. And I was raised by two parents who believed in something, so this wasn't unfamiliar to me. But I racked my brain, what was the feast night? And I could find none on the date that it was. And I even looked on my phone, I said, is it a feast of uh, St. Barnabas? No. But as we walked into this church, it was packed with families. It was packed with people there, sharing their space, sharing their oxygen, sharing their sweat almost. And candles were burning, and everyone seemed somewhat patient. But there was also something on their faces. They started to sing... And it was a hymn that was, it was one of those hymns that is both beautiful and morose at the same time. It doesn't fill you with joy, but it doesn't fill you with sorrow either. And Roberta and I watch, and then someone across the church stood up and they said, That's her. That's Roberta Claus. Uh, and then the crowd changed, and they started shouting at her, and we ran, and we were quick, and we got out of that church, and we got in the new home. We drove back to the room I was sharing with Spackle the Elf, and I ran up to two flights of stairs, and I said, Spackle, it's time to go, and Spackle was covered in popcorn, which she really irritated me at the time. Until I realized later, he said, well, I was, you know, bringing a popcorn. He was doing those popcorn garlands. But at the time, I said, yeah, spackle. I said, we're going to share the pop. I said, let's go. I got Roberta Claus. And we grabbed our things. And we hopped in the U-Haul and Roberta Claus drove. Roberta Spankle and I spent days driving, driving across the continent, stopping in town and city, a village in Hamlet, 
And with every stop, we found more of the same people in churches, people in shelters, people at food banks, groups gathered, giving their time. And I could tell Roberta had started to have doubts about how much of an impending threat it was. And we talked about it. And those conversations are semi-private, but we went back and forth. Like, was this something to be concerned about? Was this something to worry about? Or was this a, a continuation of, of some sort of new Christmas, some post-Santa Christmas? And, and it brought up uh, emotions on both sides. Now, Spackle, we could talk about at another point, but Spackle stayed mostly silent. But we went back and forth looking at all the angles, and Roberta is a keen observer. So she had lots to offer. And we were close to having the feeling that, yes, maybe Roberta's withdrawal, maybe the mourning around Santa, maybe the fracturing of Christmas. Well, we wondered, could this be a good thing? But there was something else at every stop we made, something in my gut that didn't ring true. And eventually, Roberta and I started to talk about it. And she said to me, Claude, I, I feel something. I can sense something. And, and I said, what is it, Roberta? And then she said, she said, Spackle, do you still carry around now forest elves of his entire lore? We obviously don't have time or proper to, proper conditions to get into a forest elves that do the job Spackle does. Carry with them a, what could be called a magical map. And one day we may have something like it, similar to a tablet, similar to a map, similar to e-ink. It's a map you unroll that works basically like a combination of a paper tablet without electronics. So I think, I don't know, I'm not a hobbyist in electronics. But Spackle, and I guess it should be noted at this point in the story, Spackle does not speak the English language or any uh, alphabet or clear way he, he communicates in noises. And I did not know Sco Scooter did not make this clear to me, but I think it's also what developed our closeness. And Robert says, Spackle, do you have your map? And he said something like, Rain, or something like that, a noise like that, a confirmation noise. For up until now, Roberta didn't seem to need a nap. She drove with the fury of an investigator. And I almost felt like we were both on the case together. This new story was Secret Santa Rita. Was, she was investigating a story where it looked like the outcome of her downfall was a good thing for everyone. But a part of her seemed willing to accept it until now. She said, she said, Spackle, take out your map. And we had pulled off the road. We were having sandwiches. Uh, it is so much more economical to buy a loaf of bread and some peanut butter and jelly than to stop at every roadside place. I think Spackle somehow communicated that to me. But she took out the map and she started to, to do some things to it. And I, I wondered if it was Santa magic but I did not get, question or get involved. 
But she said, she, she said, I can make suspicion is right, Claude. And she said, Spackle, look at this. And I think Spackle said, knock, knock. Or, or, and, and, and she said, yeah, yeah, the uh, joy levels. She said, look at all these pockets. These are the places we've been. It was a bit like a heat map. She said, the, the joy, look at the joy here. And I said, well, which, which is the joy? The green, is the green envy or joy? Is it Christmas joy green or red? Or And she said, never mind. She said that the joy levels are very low for all this activity. It doesn't make any sense. And I said, it does to me, Roberta. I can feel something in my gut. There's an under uh, undertone wherever we've been. And I said, can you see it on that map, Roberta? Because I, 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 can, I can almost taste it. And she said, Claudia, it's not coming up. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what it is either, but she goes, I know it's there. And I said, so you can sense it, Roberta. And she says, these levels, and she kept working. And she says, Speckle, do you have a, do you, get someone give me, give me, a, give me a pen and a pen, or a pencil. And she started to write on the on the paper. And at first, Speckle seemed a little shocked because it seemed like she was using a old school pen and paper. And I said, Roberta, what are you doing? And she said, I'm making a naughty list. Roberta said that the naughty list had gone out of vogue uh, not that long after World War II. His effectiveness, uh, Santa never really believed, the modern-day Santa uh, never believed in the naughty list. Now, maybe he could have used it because not many years after it, he would go underground for almost a half a century or over half a century, I guess, depending on what timeline you're viewing. But Roberta said, I'm making a naughty list. And I said, a real naughty list, Roberta. And she said, yes. And she said, she said I'm looking for tattletales and gossipers. And she started to list names, names I'll never reveal, ever reveal. The names started to appear. And as she held her hand over the name, you know, she started to be able to tell where the child were, what they were, you know, how were they a gossip or were they a t- And I said, does tattletale get you on the naughty list? And she said, Claude, she said, yes, it will, depending on what you're tattletaling about. But that you're calling someone a tattletale will also get you on there. But telling on them or judging them what. She said, this is why we got rid of the naughty list. But I'm, you know, I know what I'm doing, Claude. And she said, get behind the wheel, let's go. And she guided me. She, I was trying to watch out of the corner of my eye and watch the road at the same time. It was not anything like mapping technology in any way, shape, or form. But, you know, we're dealing with a possible demigod here. But it was still, she was looking and it was changing colors and giving some sort of directions. And the young man's name was coming up and finally we arrived at his house. And Roberta went into the house. She she said, wait here. And she knocked on the door. And the boy answered the door. A boy did and Roberta went in the house. And a part of me was, uh, I I just, is she into spackle? Is she interrogating? What is going on?
And I guess you, you would know at this point, Spackle, the elf, the force of he's friends with Scooter. And, and Spackle's history is uh, tied in with your friend Scooter's history with Roberta Claus and Santa Claus before that. Uh, for right around the time of Santa's passing, now there are no no proof or not even suspicion that Scooter and Spackle were involved in that. But Scooter and Spackle had tried to start a little business where they were pitching ideas to Santa and then to Roberta Claus, and she had a lot going on, clearly. But these are two very—this is an enthusiastic forest elf and then, you know, an odd podcaster. And they kept pitching and pitching Roberta Claus, and at some point it became almost a parody— or a comedy to Roberta Claus, but also an irritant. She said, gee, Spackle, Scooter, I've had enough of your Christmas ideas. She said, Candy Cane Rain is a terrible idea, and that's the last one I'll be hearing from you two. And they were, I guess they never asked, would that get you on irritating Santa Claus? It should put you on the naughty list. But then Roberta Claus exited the house. She she walked slowly up to the U-Hall. We were still in with her sleigh in the back. And I wondered how she, she did she interrogate this boy? Did she coax it out of him? What, but I said, did he, ta- did he tattle on himself, Roberta? Did he tell? And she said he told me what I needed to know. And we were in a big city at this point. And she said, we need to find a place to stay for the night. And I said, why, Roberta? And Roberta told me that the secret Santa was in people's dreams. This boy was very resistant. Even though he would tattle on his friends, he did not want to tattle on secret Santa. She said he was worried. And she said that adults and children had been being visited by the secret Santa in a very subtle way. And she said she needed to spend a night to look into the children's dreams and try to... And then I, that blew my mind for all I knew about Santa. I think it's some times I had heard... You know, I had heard about sugar plums dancing in your head and those things. And I said, well, maybe Santa won't get you what you really want for Christmas. Or you didn't get this because Santa knew what you really wanted deep down. Well, I, that's when I... You know, I just wanted you to hug me, Mother. That's what I, well, here's your hug. There you go. No toys, though. Excuse me, folks. That's unprofessional of me, but Roberta has said that she did have the ability to watch people's dreams, and it's just another thing that unnerves me with the governments of the world also putting their resources behind tracking down Roberta Claus. I mean, but maybe one day we would have, I don't know if we would want a President Claus in any, you know, either Roberta Claus, Santa Claus, or just a president named Claus. But we spent a night, uh, we spent a night in Spackle, and I slept as Roberta Claus had her own room, and she said she needed some privacy. But as the next morning came, and, and Spackle and I were getting dressed, Roberta knocked on her door. And she didn't look tired, but she looked thoughtful. And I just wondered to myself, you know, is Santa on some sort of, when would the guy sleep? When would she sleep? 
But she said, she said, we, we need, we need to, we need to go. And I said, what she said, I said, well, we're not returning. I'm going to lose the deposit on the U-Haul, aren't I, Roberta Claus? And she said, no, no, just call them and tell them it's here. We're, you know, they'll pick it up. And I said, I was like, are we going to rent a car, Roberta Claus? And she said, no, we're taking the sleigh. And so we pulled the uh, U-Haul around the back of the motel we were staying at. And we hit it. And we waited till the next evening came. Roberta slept most of the day, which kind of answered my question. But, you know, under these circumstances, anyone would need some sleep. And as the night grew deep and dark, Roberta Claus said, you know, we're going to get in the sleigh. And then I said, well, geez, don't you do it? And she said, don't make me explain the sleigh, how it works to you. She goes, it's clear to me after the dreams and speaking with this young man, something's coming. And we need to be ready for it and we need to be mobile for it. And we got to sleigh up in the air. And, and as serious as the task at hand was, I did not have a chance uh, at this point in the story to enjoy being in Santa's sleigh or even start to answer the details. And I think there was a a masking effect. I, I don't I don't know if I could explain what was going on to control the sleigh or the propulsion of the sleigh or all those things. But also Roberta had a spackle and I working very hard because we began circling the, the, the most populated areas of the earth and watching the naughty list. And Roberta, she was going through some sort of listing and she was doing her own thing with just a simple pen and paper while Spackle and I worked on his magical map. But then... At some point, there was a surge, and it was on Spackle and I's map. And it was clearly, it was like it was being projected on the back of Roberta's eyeballs. And the sleigh made a great turn in the sky. And it would seem like it was going so smooth and slow at this turn, but I knew we were rocketing at speeds humans had never experienced before. Except for the kid, you know, kids that may have gotten chances to ride in Santa's sleigh, supposedly, but those would be kids on the naughty list, liars. But as we picked up speed, I said, "Roberta, what is it?" She said, "It's the lads." And she showed me a place on the map, and she said, "She goes, it's the thirteen-year-old lads." And I said, I, I, "I was not familiar with what she was talking about." had heard of the Yule Log. But she said, it's a, she goes, you can see them, they're debouching their way through these towns. And she goes, it was just a blip just hours ago. She, and Roberta said, I thought it was one of those Santa Cons, a Sanarchy event. She, she goes, it's in tough, tough to interpret all this data, these data points to a human. You know, no offense. But she, as we made the way, she explained quickly to me that the 13-year-old lads were a bit like a mad Bacchanalian version of the Seven Dwarves, little trolls. 
I don't think she used the word trolls. It might be my word. And that they would just tear their way through cities and countrysides, drinking and vandalizing, making merry. But Roberta said she, she, she could see that they had whipped in a fever and that they already had followers. And as we started to circle, they were in a part of Europe where towns were close to each other. And people were already used to touring from town to town. And there was a giant wreckage in their path of emptied bars. And, and these lads had a thing for yogurt, some strange yogurt obsession. So towns were stripped of their yogurt and Christmas and holiday decorations that had made it up. They had vandalized uh, churches and schools town squares and they were followed by more and more merrymakers and Roberta started circling and she said she said I don't know what to do and she made a couple of dives on the sleigh but the the 13 lads and I saw them and they they were you know mad with lust and and, and drunken revelry and she circled them again and again and and people started throwing yogurt packs at the sleigh, but then she just went, you know, increased altitude. And she seemed nervous. She seemed to be considering her options, and I wanted to grab her and say, Roberta, you need to act. But then she said, look down there, one of the lads is trailing behind. And she circled, and one of the lads had started to tra trail behind. He was limping. And she landed in front of his path, and he was limping. He sustained a cut while smashing Christmas ornaments. And Roberta sat with him so, so gently and stitched him right up. She had a very nice medical kit on the sleigh, which would make sense. But I couldn't believe her first aid skills. But again, it would make sense that Santa Claus or Roberta Claus be prepared for all things. And I got to tell you, Spackle the Elf is an excellent uh, nurse. But she stitched up this elf, and she said, you hurt yourself there, smashing. And the elf, it seemed, or I guess it was a lad, a troll-like elf dwarf. It seemed to be calmed by Roberta's presence and being away from the, the madness of his friends. And she said, I need you to go back and, and pick up 4,000 yogurt cups and bring them to a recycle facility. And then, you know, clean up the rest of these uh, ornaments you broke. And she said, she said, which one are you? Because, you, you know, she she'd explained to me earlier, the old lands were supposed to come one at a time. They'd never come as a group before. They were scheduled to come one at a time, starting, I think, 13 days before Christmas. And he said, I'm number one. She said, oh, good, so you'll be gone at Christmas. And then she f flew, and, and then she said, I don't know what to do. We're, we're not going to get so lucky that these other elves are going to injure themselves, these lads. And she said, what about that podcast, Spackle, your friend? And he, I said, oh, yeah, the boring podcast guy. And she said, I have speakers on the on the sleigh. So we started playing the boring podcast the Mad Scooter makes. My, I like Scooter. We're not friends. 
you know, I'm a cor- I'm a professional correspondent being corresponded with, but we started to play, and slowly some of the human revelers, they had spent too much time drinking anyway, they started to fall off and started renting rooms or sleeping in anywhere they could find space. And then about six of the lads started to slowly fall off one at a time. And as each one would fall asleep, Roberta would bring the sleigh down, and she had a whole, uh, what do you call it, a, a scooping system, one of those nets, and she would pick them up and bring them in different directions and separate them. And she said, as long as they're separated, they'll be pretty docile. It's this mob mentality as they wait for each one. And she said, these people, these these mountain towns won't stand for their nonsense. She said, they'll just bring them down, and, and they'll have a nice little holiday in each little town I'm leaving them in. But then we returned to scene, and there were still a number of these Yule lads making merry. And I said, Roberta, don't you have any... I know slaves shouldn't be weaponized, but don't you have any North Pole technology you can use on them? You know, don't, can't, can't you use any of Santa's magic? And she said, she said, Claude, don't you see this is just a probing test? She, she goes, these are just merrymakers. She goes, they're just here to see what we're capable of and what we're willing to do. And she said, plus I really don't have any North Pole technology. She goes, it's, it's a North Pole. And I said, so this is like a distraction, these old lads. And she said, yeah, look at it. And she said, oh, God, Spackle. She goes, what are your naughty level readings? And Spackle made some noises, and it basically, she, she grabbed the map out. She said, oh, no. She said, that's exactly what this is, a distraction. She said, they've clogged our naughty meter. It's She goes, the levels are so high. We can't see outside this region. And she kept trying to reset and re even with her Santa magic. She 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 couldn't bring the naughty levels down and she circled again and again and then she said Spackle. She goes, What about that candy cane rain? She goes, and, and now one thing I knew about Spackle was he always carried this giant satchel around with him. It was like a backpack that could be a duffel bag, but it was humongous. It was elven size, and Spackle's a force elf, so bigger than a... Not as big as a Lord of the Rings elf. Huskier than that, though. Not not that tall. Maybe four feet tall, Spackle was. And I also think he had storage in his elven, elven cap, which was more North, North Pole elf. Uh, than than not, and he said, "Which window was something like some sort of sound that I'm too dignified to make?" But he dug through his bag, and then him and Roberto were communicating. And I said, "I think Roberto speaks this forest elf language." But he, he was pointing to the engines and pointing, and she said, "Yes." yes. And then we started in spackles underneath, hanging from the bottom of the sleigh, clanging and clinging. And then we landed, and I said, oh, wow, we landed at a warehouse. 
that had, had stocks of candy canes. And I said, I wonder if they're saving these for next year. But And then I was also surprised that the candy cane rain was made from real candy canes, but we loaded on candy canes, and that took a bit of time unwrapping them. But then Roberto Claus said, just throw it all in, and, and, and we 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 could fix a cardboard hopper on the side of the sleigh, and I my job was just to hold it on, even though it had straps and things. Kind of like the foolhardy man who buys a mattress and poorly ties it on his roof, yet he still holds on. What I was doing at the best of behest of Roberto Claus. And then we started to circle the mob, and... The machine, the speculative, the add-ons he had done started to shake and rumble Santa's sleigh. And then the peppermint misty smell filled the air. And I even noticed my skin getting a sheen of uh, red and white grease that I did put to my lips. And it was uh, candy cane-like. Every once in a while I'd even get a droplet of that other flavor of candy cane the red and the yellow striped one. But as the candy cane rain rained down, the mob slowed, their progress impeded by an overload of sugar, you know, because for a while they just put their mouths to heaven and drank it, and that caused many of the humans to sugar crash, and even one or two of the old lads, but some still strove on bar to bar, place to place, but then finally they further slowed down. And at some point their progress became impossible as the candy started to coagulate. And Roberta dropped the nets and we started to send the we started to separate these Yule lads across Europe. We may feel bad for the Europeans whose towns we dropped these Yule we dropped a few of the candy cane ones in small lakes. I think Zurich. And I said, she says that environment, and Roberto Claus said, Claude, don't report that. I can fix it. And I said, well, fish may like candy canes anyway. But at the whole time, Roberto Claus said, was, was shouting orders at uh, uh, Spacko. She was saying, Spacko, I need you to... And I couldn't quite make it out, but as we dropped off the last Yule lad... She said, she said, have you gotten a hold of the North Pole, Spackle? I need you to get a hold of the North Pole. And Spackle said, please, no, I can't get a hold of him. And she said, did you get a hold of Scooter? Did he? She goes, you guys got a hold of the North Pole all the time in the past. What do you mean you can't get through? Neither one of you gets through. You would call me 14 times. And Scooter, with his text, he thought was witty. And, and and I don't know if it was some sort of, but finally, Roberta said, what do you mean, there, there's no communications out of the North Pole. And Spanko made a noise that sounded like a gafump cry. Or so, I don't know, I'm not a poet, I'm a reporter, damn it. But Spanko made it, and she said, there's nothing at the North Pole. No power at all. Nothing. And I think she had given Spackle the quote. Well, Spackle and Scooter probably already knew how to get past the secret firewalls. 
but it became quickly apparent that we needed to get to the North Pole. And Roberta said, hold on, boys. We're going north, and we don't have very much time for the Bellsnickels are coming. And she said, who knows what else lies in their wake. We have to save Christmas. And we made our way to the North Pole. Now, while we made our way to the North Pole, I did take my time checking media outlets. And all this mayhem was being blamed by Roberta Claus. And a worldwide hunt had gone, and I didn't realize Roberta Claus's brilliance with the U-Haul. For they had created no-fly zones over the towns we had driven through. But we had slipped through that no-fly zone, and then they had recently headed off to where the Yulats were, and they were trying to make sense of what happened there. But right now, I'm with Roberta Cross, I'm with Spackle, and we're on the way to the North Pole. And I'm still on this story. This is Claude Neon reporting. Good night.